you need to wander, you need to daydream to be able to then reconnect a lot of the complexity that we deal with on a daily basis. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. When it comes to sitting down and actually doing our work, sometimes our minds can be filled with a thousand thoughts and even the slightest change in our environment can distract us from getting things done. When procrastination runs rampant, we know it's time for change. Here with us today is David Allen, a renowned productivity consultant and author of five books. He's best known for the creation of his time management method called Getting Things Done, or GTD, as he likes to call it. And I can't wait to learn more. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks, Britt. Thanks for the invitation. Happy to be here. I have definitely read some of your books. I've read them years ago. So it's incredible to be speaking with you today and talking about all things productivity. I know that for me, even though I was a straight-A student, captain of the soccer team, all the benchmarks of success... I still have a hard time getting things done. So what originally drove you towards your interest in studying productivity? I wanted a good job, basically. (laughs) That's a good answer. I've always been sort of a fan of kind of having my act together and being focused. And I'm also probably the laziest guy you ever met. So I'm into not working hard, but still at the same time, you know, getting stuff done that I want to get done. So I've always been an explorer of those kinds of things. I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up, you know, until I was in my 30s. I was more into self-exploration, self-development. So I had friends who started their own companies and were doing their own thing in the world, material world out there. And so I became a good number two guy. So I helped a lot of friends do their stuff. You know, if you read my Wikipedia, I had 35 jobs by the time I was 35. They were not careers, they were jobs. You know, I helped a couple of guys start a restaurant in LA. I helped a guy manage a service station and car restoration business in LA. I helped a friend manage a landscape company in San Fernando Valley and et cetera, et cetera. I just go in and see what they were doing and say, gee, is there some way we can do this easier? (laughs) Can we get all this done and leave earlier? Yeah. But then I'd fix it and then I get bored. And so then I go find another job. Then I discovered they pay people to do that. They call them consultants. Okay. So I hung out my shingle in 1982, Allen Associates to just see if I could do that. I love it. One thing that I was curious about was what was the through line you saw in these 35 jobs (laughs) about what people weren't doing correctly in your mind? No, there was no through line, really. I didn't really start exploring all of that until once I started my own consulting practice and then saying, okay, were you nice to have some models to see how to work with people? Because, you know, Britt, I've never had any formal or traditional education in time management or business or psychology. All my stuff was street smarts. It came out of a lot of experience that I had. And because I'd gotten a black belt in karate and the martial arts, I was very much into being still clear and how to keep a clear head because there's a very practical reason to have a clear head. If four people jump you in a dark alley, you don't want Mm -hmm. 2,000 unprocessed emails somehow hanging around your psyche. So being clear was something I was sort of, 
not necessarily addicted to, but very attracted to and wanted to stay that way. But as my consulting little practice, I started to discover techniques to keep me clear as my life was getting more complex. You know, as you graduate in life, it doesn't necessarily get easier. It gets more complex, more things to manage, more hats to spin, more stuff going on. So I was saying, well, how do I do that? I discovered these things and allowed me to be more in control, more focused, have more room in my head to focus on meaningful stuff. And then I turned around and started using those techniques with my consulting client. And it turned out it produced the same results for them. More clarity, more focus, more space, more sense of control. And so I went, wow, that's cool. And that kind of became the bread and butter of a lot of my consulting. And then a head of HR in a big corporation saw what I was doing and said, gee, David, we need those kind of results in our whole company. Can you design a training program around the stuff you've come up with so we can reach a lot of people in seminars and workshops with your stuff as opposed to one-on-one? So I did that and it was quite successful. But it turned out that what I had discovered, that was the ripest audience, especially the fast-track professionals. Mm -hmm. They were the ripest audience that were hungry for what I'd come up with. It kind of fooled me, Britt. I thought that the more senior people were, the more sophisticated they were professionally, the more they'd be less interested in what I'd come up with. Mm. I figured they'd already figured that out. Right. Eh, wrong answer. <laughs> no, they hadn't. As a matter of fact, the more senior they were, the more hungry they were for what I'd come up with. Mm. Because the more senior they were, they already knew the value of organization. They already knew the value of system. They already knew they could produce more quality because that's got them where they were, but they were filled up. They had no more room to do anything more or better. And so, those were the hungriest people really for what I was doing. And so that's why I've spent thousands of hours. Yeah. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours. I've probably spent 50,000 hours literally one-on-one <laughs> desk side with some of the busiest and brightest folks you'd ever meet on the planet, actually refining this methodology and implementing it with them and watching what happened. It was bulletproof. You couldn't punch a hole in it. Right. Anybody who started to implement any of this felt more control, more focus, more clarity. I love that you say you've spent 50,000 hours studying productivity, <laughs> helping people get things done. And it's now been 20 years since the book came out, the original book. So you've helped tens of thousands, millions of, I don't know how many people have changed their lives because of this. And I think that's really incredible. There's one stat that fascinates me from a recent Harvard study, which suggests that we spend around 47% of every waking hour mind-wandering. So from what you've learned about the brain, why do you think we get so cluttered and distracted? And how can we actually start to lay the ground to begin focusing ourselves? Well, you'd have to then back it up and say, was the mind-wandering useful or not? Sometimes that's exactly what you need to be doing. You know, recent cognitive science has basically proven the fact that your brain needs to rest. You need to wander. You need to daydream mm -hmm. to be able to then reconnect a lot of the complexity that we deal with on a daily basis. That's why taking naps, that's why making sure you get seven to nine hours of sleep a night are so critical now as a way for the brain to readjust and essentially archive all the complexity that we actually deal with. So, You'd have to say, mind wondering, is that bad? <laughs> you know, talk to the creative people and they say, well, if it's all day, maybe it's bad. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Well, if your mind is wandering to places that you would, could, should be doing stuff about, but you're not doing, that's a real distraction. And that's what my methodology handles. It's like, let you get appropriately engaged with all those things so they're not distracting you. 
you know, if you need cat food, cat food keeps popping into your head. You're not appropriately engaged with your cat. <laughs> That's true. You know? That's true. Your brain's helping you prioritize the things that matter. You'd have to say, where is your mind wandering? Mm-hmm. Is it wandering to some place that's maturing your thought process about something interesting or important to you? Or is your mind going somewhere, being reminded of stuff you haven't done, can't do yet at the present moment, but should be doing, in which case you're not doing anything about it. You're just wasting time and exhausting yourself. So those are two different places for your mind to go. Well, I am a entrepreneur. I am a venture capitalist and I'm a mom of a five and six-year-old. So my mind wanders in so many places because mostly it's to-do lists. And I would bet that many women, especially moms and men out there are thinking about to-do lists a lot. Do you have any strategies for what we should do that might be better serving us than just thinking about all the things we need to do? Sure. You need to capture all that stuff that has your attention, clarify exactly what you're going to do about it in terms of the action step needed and the outcome you're committed to finish, and then park the results of that in some sort of trusted external brain, keeping those things on list, and then review and reflect on the content of that on a consistent basis so that you can be present with whatever you're doing. Yeah. So there's 35 years of my experience wrapped into a sentence. Yeah, thank you. You solved a little problem. I use the notes app on my phone and my computer because it goes with me both places, but that's the best thing I've found. Yeah, but those are hard for you to look at on an instant basis, especially if you're ADD or ADHD type. You got too many clicks you have to do before you'll use it. So that's the problem. What do you suggest? A notebook? Yeah, well, the capture tool I use is low tech. I got a pen and paper in my wallet I carry with me all the time. And that's where most of my stuff initially shows up. I'm pulling it out right now and looking at a note says, oh, set up Yoris. Okay, that's my computer guy. I need to set up a time for him to do some work with me and Catherine, my wife. So there's no batteries, no Wi-Fi required. I just pull it out and write it. That's not my organization system. That's a capture system. And most people confuse those two. They think that in order to capture, it has to be on the right note. It has to be in my to-do list or whatever. And no, you don't even know what goes on your to-do list until you capture and clarify what's got your attention. Got it. And most people don't do that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
And these are part of your five stages of getting things done, right? So the five are capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage. And so you've kind of just given me a little example of how some of this should work, but maybe you can break each one of these down for us. Sure. And also let me know, like, are they all equally important to getting things done? Yep, they are. Well, I didn't make this up. I recognized it. You ever had your kitchen out of control? Yes, all the time. <laughs> right. You walk in and then what is the first thing you did is you notice what's out of control. You captured, you noticed what's off, what's not on cruise control, what's not in its right place the right way it should be, right? Yep. That's the capture stuff. Then what'd you do? You clarified, oh, that's a dirty dish. Oh, that's a clean dish. Oh, that's a spice. Oh, that's good food. Oh, that's crappy food. That you clarified the nature of those things that were not on cruise control. Then what'd you do? You probably put the good food where it belongs. You probably put the spices where they belong. You probably put the dirty dishes where they belong. Step three, you organized based upon what you clarified those things meant to you. Then what'd you do? You step back, looked at the whole thing, look at your watch, see how much time you had, looked at your recipe, then open the fridge and engage. You pulled out butter and melted it. Now, I didn't make that up. That's what you or anybody does if they're walking into a situation that is not on cruise control. That's what you do is you recognize what's off. You clarify what the off is. You then decide what needs to be done about those. And you organize some reminders of those for yourself or the right person anyway, that you then make sure you take a look at, you know, and reflect on the contents of that on some consistent basis. Well, I think that I'm pretty good at the capture phase, I have to say. Like, even though I maybe am not capturing it in the right place, if you disagree with the notes app, I have it all organized. I have by personal work, business work family work and to-dos. And then I prioritize even within that list, which one needs to come first. Like, what do I need to do today versus what do I need to do this week or at some point? But then I think I start to trail off maybe in your method because maybe the reflect and engage parts I'm not as clear about. I guess I'm capturing, clarifying, and organizing, but not reflecting and engaging. So can you tell me more about what I should be doing to follow through on those phases? Sure. Take a look at all your stuff and go, is talking to David Allen exactly what you need to do now in your life? And I would say, of course. Yeah. And if it is, see, you can only feel good about what you're not doing when you know what you're not doing. So how clear is everything you're not doing to you? If you can't see them in 60 seconds, then you're going to be distracted. In other words, for your system to be better than your mind, you have to trust that you will see that the contents are complete, that they're current, and that you will then engage with the contents of that system at an appropriate time. Then you're appropriately engaged. See, getting things done is not so much about getting things done. It's about being appropriately engaged with all your commitments so you're present with whatever you're doing. Right. That's the most fun and healthy and productive place to operate from, being present. Do you think that in order to best reflect and engage that what we are doing is the right thing and that's valuable and meaningful to us, we need to create specific goals? in our lives for our personal goals, our business goals, and sort of that North Star. So we know what all of these different tasks are laddering up to, whether they be shopping for kids' shoes <laughs> or getting that term sheet over to the founder. That's up to you. Interesting. See, if you just wanted to relax and just let life happen, fine. I have no issue with that. That's GTD. Like as long as nothing's on your mind, say it'll just show up as it shows up. If you say, I need to set goals because I need to make sure our kids get into a good college and we better have a good college fund set up so that we can afford them to do that, then you probably need to set goals in order to get that off your mind. 
Mm. I'm kind of a goal setter. So it's up to you. See, GTD does not say you should. We don't deal with shoulds. We deal with where you are. Okay. And getting you in control of where you are. See, if day-to-day is out of control, don't even try to think about goals or vision. You're just going to frustrate yourself. That's like trying to teach a pig to sing. You frustrate yourself and annoy the pig. You know, so a lot of people need to clean their bathroom, not set goals. Because if your day-to-day is out of control, you're not going to feel comfortable. And your goal setting and vision setting and vision clarification is not going to be very organic. You're going to do it because you think you should. Right. But the truth is, if that's where your mind is, see, GTD starts with where you are, not with where you should be. If where you are is, oh my God, two years from now, we need to have X, Y, Z happening. I say, oh, fabulous. Okay, great. So your desired outcome is what? Great. Let's call that a goal. Anything longer than about a year, I'd probably call it a goal or an objective, not just a project. Fabulous. What's your next action? What's the next thing you need to do on that? I'm going to get you to get grounded and real about even your vision stuff so that it's not sitting there nagging at you. Call, well, I should, I should, I should, I should. I. And by the way, you don't have to go very far. Just look at your to-do list. Any one of those things on your list came from some higher horizon you have. Mm-hmm. Everything you're doing, everything on your list actually is because you've got some sort of value or some sort of goal or something going on in there. Right. But the more conscious you are about all that stuff, sure, that's going to be valuable. Even sitting down and saying, okay, if you have a life partner, you and him or her sit down and say, gee, what would we like to have true, you know, 12 to 18 months from now? It's a nice little exercise to do. Yeah. And those things will then help you make decisions about, okay, which thing off my list right now, it's finished, is going to give me a high enough value. Right. You know, the guy who did deep work, he kind of criticized GTD because everybody thinks GTD is about all the mundane stuff. It is because most people are in the mundane. <laughs> yep. But if you're not in the mundane, it's not about that. It's about whatever's not mundane. But you still need to make whatever the bigger things are mundane for yourself. Yeah, I think it's always a combination of the two for sure. And I worked at Google for several years, about 10 years ago. And we had OKRs, which were objectives and key results. And this has kind of taken over many companies now where you set your quarterly objectives, right? Your goals. And then everything you work on ladders up to that. And I think I was drinking a lot of the Google Kool-Aid because I started doing this for not just my work life, even when I started my own company, but also my personal life and our relationship too with our family. So every anniversary, my husband and I sort of set goals for the year. We check in on them you know, quarterly. And so maybe I've taken this goal setting thing to an extreme, but I'm in Enneagram 3, which if anyone doesn't know, is called The Achiever. It's a personality test you can take. And I feel like I'm on the right track when I know what everything I'm doing during the day is laddering up to, which I do think, I agree with you, is probably different from people who just are in the mundane, need to get all the clutter out of their lives. And I have a version of that as well. But I do feel like I need to be pointed in the right direction to make sure that I know that that thing on my calendar is worth it or else I need to scrap it. And the infamous quote, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no, is a principle I've been trying to follow for the last couple of years with my time. And let me give you the good and bad news. You want the good news or the bad news first? Usually I like bad news first and then good news. Bad news is you're not going to stop doing that and required to do that until you die. Oh, man. Why? Because that's just who I am. No, it's just because everybody. Oh. Look, <laughs> you're making 50,000 priority decisions a day because that's about how many things you think about. It's true. In a day. Minimum. Yeah. And so you have a choice about what to think about. Why are you thinking about that? Why are not you thinking about something else? Why aren't you thinking about that? So you're constantly making priority decisions all the time. You can't stop. 
you won't be able to stop. As long as you're doing one thing, it means you're not doing a thousand others, right? Right. And so that's a decision that you're making either by default or consciously. So there's the bad news. The good news is you're not going to get out of this game no matter what. You're in the game. (laughs) You're doing a good job. Hey, good job. Keep going. You know how to talk to an Enneagram 3, clearly. (laughs) You just have to give me a gold star and I'll keep going. I'm like, okay, David thinks I'm doing great. I'm going to keep going. My only thing is, Britt, why would something still be on your mind? Because there's an inverse relationship between on your mind and getting done. Something's on your mind because you're probably not yet appropriately engaged with it. There's still some decision about it you haven't made or some organization about it you haven't done Mm. that you don't trust. So I just figured out how to get stuff off your mind. doesn't mean you have to finish it. just means you need to appropriately engage with it so that, you know, you shut that little monkey up in your head. Then when you get that clear space, how you use that's going to be up to you. You may use it to be more strategic. You may use it to be more loving and present with your kids. You may use it to be more creative. You may use it to just be innovative. You maybe use it to just cook better spaghetti. I don't know. <laughs> See, I guarantee you that it'll create more space. What I know is after thousands of people that have gone through my program, that they all create space, but how they use it quite unique to them. And a lot of people in the creative industry, they say, oh my God, I was able to write better music. I had more opportunity to paint more of what I wanted to paint. Oh, wow. How cool is that? And I had a lot more people go, wow, I was now able to see a longer horizon on a day-to-day basis instead of feeling like I'm down in the weeds wrapped around the axle so tight. Right. More strategic. And your point here is that With all of this, right, the benefit of your method and being more productive in general by following it is that it's not about getting more done to the point of burnout. It's not about working all hours of the day and being able to do so much more. It's actually about claiming back time for things that you really want to be doing in your life. Yeah, that's true. But also productivity has got a bad rap as a word. Do you think it's negative? Yeah, it's got a negative connotation. By the way, have you ever tried to relax and didn't? (laughs) Yeah, when my mind is spinning around too much, I can't relax. That's unproductive. (laughs) That's true. Did you ever go to a party to have fun, didn't have fun? Oh, yeah. That's unproductive. Mm -hmm. Did you ever go to a vacation to relax and you didn't relax on the vacation? That's unproductive. See, people think productivity is about working harder or more or whatever, as opposed to just achieving a result you want. If the result you want is to be happy and present and you're not, that's unproductive, right? So. That's why I say productivity has got a bad rap as a word. So yes, I'm into productivity. If I go to relax, I'm going to go relax, right? Then I'm productive. If I want to have a beer and enjoy it and I'm doing that, I'm productive. Right. You're producing stuff all the time, by the way. You can't stop. You're producing exactly what you're getting, exactly what you're doing. You can't stop creating. You're in it all the time. Correct. I can't stop. You know, what's funny is I'm actually interviewing you in a week where I'm heading into a sabbatical for one month. It's not anything crazy. And I've never done this before. I've never taken like a month to not work. Oh my God. (laughs) What do I do? David, help me. I'm really having a hard time setting boundaries, actually. Well, your ability to do nothing is a really a large degree of your maturity with my methodology. Oh, really? Okay. So how do I know if I have a successful sabbatical? What do you want out of it? To be able to do what you said, which is to sit down and relax without thinking about a million things every day. Great. So anything you need to do, any action you need to take so that that's easier for you to do? I think one of the hardest parts is 
just being comfortable delegating everything and not being on the hook for really important decisions that have to get made or something that comes up while I'm out of office. Yeah. So I have this sort of lingering anxiety that there's going to be something like, you know, I bet when anyone goes on vacation, you have this happen where you're like, okay, I'm really offline, except for if there's a big urgent emergency that I need to jump in for. And therefore, my mind is constantly thinking about, okay, is everything okay? Is there an emergency? Should I be scanning my email? Should I be scanning Slack? Or should I just, you know, go completely offline for real? And people can text me if there's something that happens. People often ask me about, should I do email on the vacation? I say, if doing email on the vacation lets you relax more, you should. Okay. I think just scanning email lets me relax more. You might want to potentially create two lists. One is before sabbatical, one is after sabbatical. See, when I used to travel a lot before pandemic, if I was going on a big trip, one or two weeks or 10 days or you know, longer than that, I would create a before trip list and then I would go through all of my other lists of everything I might need to do and say, that has to be done before I leave. Mm. And they go, no, that'll wait, that'll wait. That has to be done before I leave. And I would just drag all those over into my before trip list. And that's the only list I'd look at till they were done. Because <laughs> everything else I'd said, they can wait. And, you know, that helped a lot. Do you think that when people come back from a vacation, they should avoid scheduling meetings and getting right back into the thick of things? Yeah, for at least a day or two. And also, especially if you're leaving work behind, meaning you've either delegated it or you're just saying, okay, I'm now going to catch up on a week's worth of email or two weeks worth of email. And yeah, you probably need a good day or two yep. before you let anybody know you're really back to catch up, get rid of the backlog. I know that a lot of times we have different levels of magnitude of these tasks, whether they're on our backlog from a vacation or just in general. They're small, medium, and larger tasks. Some you could get done really quickly and others might take you the whole day. So how would you suggest that we actually get around to the big task? Because I think so many people just nip off the easy stuff and put away the big stuff for later. Give me an example of a big task. So post-sabbatical, I'm thinking about this because you're before and after, right? So post-sabbatical, I need to do a whole remodel, reforecast of all of our company's work as we go into preparation for 2022 planning. It's something that I could probably put off until September or October, but it would be better to get done now yeah. because then I could get ahead okay, of the well, planning. Now, hang on, Britt. Hang on. I got a million dollars. I'm going to pay you to take yes. the very next step on that. Okay. What physical, visible activity would you engage in right now and where would you do it? What physical, visible activity would I do right now to do this task? Yeah. It would involve a lot of spreadsheets and information gathering. What's the first one? What's the very first thing you would do? I'm going to pay a million dollars. Go. Okay. I would collect all of our financials that I have in different account statements and consolidate them into one document. Where would you find all those account statements? in my folders on my computer. How long do you think that would take you to do that? Maybe about an hour, 30 minutes to an hour. So you gave me something you thought was an action step, but it's not. You gave me some big project. You hadn't broken it down to what's the very next physical, visible activity, so you hadn't finished your thinking about it. And so every time you start to think about that whole thing, you step into the void, go, oh my God, I'm not sure. There's more decisions and thinking I need to do. I have to finish about that because you haven't finished your thinking. If you don't have a physical, visible next action on that, you haven't finished your thinking. That's why you're not appropriately engaged with it yet. That's why it's on your mind. 
Okay, so I should make a bulleted list of the sequence of the smaller tasks that ladder up to this bigger task, is what you're saying. Yeah, the bigger task is not a task. You can't do a project. You can only do action items. That if you do enough of the right ones, this final outcome happens, right? So you just had not broken it down enough. That's why. See, when you say these big actions that take a day, no, you can't give me an action that takes a day unless you want to write the forward to somebody's book. That might take a day. (laughs) Actually, about four hours is the max. You could think about something like that, that creative. So draft forward so you can write a crappy first draft is not a hard action to do. So there's no action that's really hard and very few actions actually take you a long period of time to do the whole action. Mm-hmm. There's usually something you need to do to set that up or to get it started or to start going with it, for sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you know what I think has plagued a lot of us is that, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, but in the last year, as we've all moved to remote work and Zoom meetings all day, I think we've become more accepting of having meetings in general and letting people take our time digitally. And therefore, we've been left with way less time to just get things done, to do these works, to do these projects. And so I find that I'm having to squeeze in that type of an assignment in you know, a 15 minute break between meetings instead of the 30 minutes to an hour. And so, you know, how would you help people think about how to reorganize their days or think about how much time they need to get this list of stuff done? Well, is the meeting your work? And if they say it is? Then that's your work. Okay. That's your work. But then they also have other work they need to do that's knowledge work. Oh, sure. Don't we all? Most people have, you know, 30 to 100 projects. Most people have 150 to 200 next actions. So everybody's got a big inventory of stuff they're not doing at any moment in time. Just feel comfortable about that. Got it. You know, there's one organization that never has fires and crises, and that's the fire department. (laughs) They're organized for it. They're organized for surprise. They're organized for something I don't expect. And 95% of their calls are false alarms. They deal with that. And then when they're not on a fire call, what are they doing? Getting ready for the next one, preparing, doing whatever they need to do. They're doing the books. They're doing all the other stuff. They're cleaning the equipment. They're doing all that other stuff that needs to get done in between the lines of their work. So you have to decide whether that meeting is really your work or not. Now, that may be the issue. Mm. Why are you going to that meeting? What's the purpose of the meeting? Why are you there? Can somebody else handle that? Trust me, I try to get out as much as I can these days, but... Why? Because that's where a lot of stuff happens. Yeah, but I do think meetings go on longer than they should, to be honest. Sure. I think like we're used to these 30 minutes or 60 minute long meetings that could be 10 minutes or 20 minutes. Start the meeting with one simple question. Hey guys, what exactly do we want to have true by what time? Right. Do you believe in the Jeff Bezos strategy of writing a document about what the meeting's about before the meeting that everyone has to read going into the meeting? It could be. That's a little too formal for most of the meetings most of us have. Yeah. But you don't have to be that formal about it. Just go, hey, guys, what do you want to have true? 
we all want to feel comfortable about X, Y, and Z. Great. And then you don't end discussions without going, so what exactly did we decide? What's the next action? Who's got it? Right. If those things are done, you can change a whole organizational culture. Because mm. most cultures don't think that way. They don't think outcome and action. They just think busy. Yeah. The best meeting advice, how to run a meeting 101, is to start the meeting by listing out the agenda, what you're going to cover, what you hope to accomplish. By what time, by the way, most people forget that one. What do you mean by what time during the meeting? Either that, if you want to organize, hey, let's do 10 minutes on that agenda, 10 minutes on that agenda. But by four o'clock this afternoon, we want to have true what? And most people don't look at that. And then they have to set another meeting because they didn't get to it. And it then ran on and on and on and yeah. they, it uncovered stuff they didn't realize it would uncover and go, oh, crap. Now we got let's set another. And then bad meetings, create bad meetings, create bad meetings, create bad emails, create bad meetings. It's a sinkhole. Yeah. Email's another one to your point. What's your take on email right now in 2021? There's so much of it. It just floods our lives. Yay. Thank goodness. I've been on email since 1983. I couldn't live my life without email. And everybody says, oh, Slack's going to get rid of email. No, it's not. (laughs) Does it get in the way of getting things done for you? I mean, do you have like all kinds of labels and filters or? No, that's how I get most stuff done actually through email. But that's just the nature of my work right now and the nature of my life. But Is that your work? It is part of my work for sure. But it does feel like it's adding to the to-do list. Like every email is a to-do list that someone else has for me. Yeah, well, why are you getting it? Can you write back and say, gee, do I really need to be on this list for you? And people say, oh, you know, David talks about in-basket zero. Oh, oh, that's silly. That's stupid. That's whatever. I go, well, right. So you only take out part of your garbage? You only take out part of your physical mailbox? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> How stupid is that? It's just volume. You know, you just got a lot of volume. So what are you going to do? Only take out part of your email? What are you going to do? You know, if you don't like it, hit control A, control X and pray. I'm a big fan of inbox zero. So how do you organize your email? I don't. Usually I don't keep more than about a day's, you know, screen full of email. And sometimes I just leave it in there until I get to it during the day because I know I'll probably get to it during the day. But then I have waiting for lists. I have action lists that I'll copy and paste an email if it's going to take me longer than four or five minutes to deal with it. I'll stick it on the list of stuff to do when I have time to do it. And what are your best uh, productivity or note-taking or to-do list tools that you like to use? Well, we just migrated from the old Lotus Notes to IBM Notes to HCL Notes. We just migrated to Office 365. So I'm just getting used to Office 365 right now and using the to-dos there and using OneNote. So I just found out a simple way to keep a list manager system. That's all I need. I don't need anything really more complex than that. If you're reviewing a regular weekly review of wherever you've got your stuff, then you can make any system work. That's what I think. I have defaulted to the Notes app on my iPhone and my computer, but I know a lot of people that use Trello or Asana or a planner or a notebook that they just make sure they take with them everywhere, even when they're out running errands, voice recorder, voice memos. So it sounds like I'm correct in the assumption that it doesn't matter where you store your to-dos as long as you keep them organized. Well, again, let me remind you, there's a big difference between capture and organize. Right. Capture, clarify, and organize. (laughs) Well, most people are capturing thinking that that's a to-do, but you gave me something that you may have captured called that project you mentioned after your pandemic, but you haven't clarified it yet. And so you don't have a to-do on it yet. Uh, It's not on your to-do list. It should be on your project list. 
So you should be reminding yourself of that project on a consistent once a week basis and saying, what's next on that? What's the status in that? What do I need to do next? What's the next action? Is that something I'm waiting on to come back from somebody? Who is it? Do I need to light a fire kick, but you know, check status right now as a next step? Or do I need to write a draft about it? Or do I need to pull up a spreadsheet and start to accumulate some financial data? Okay. So in your mind, we have the project list and then the to-do list. Well, action list. The action list. Get rid of to-do. No, sorry. 99% of every to-do list I've seen is an incomplete list of still unclear stuff that creates as much stress as it relieves because you're looking at stuff that you still haven't finished thinking about. So a project list and an action list are the two lists. Well, at least one action list. Most people have over 100 actions, so it becomes a little simpler. If you subdivide that action list, I've got errands, I've got stuff to talk to my wife about, a separate list, I've got stuff I need to do online as a separate list, I've got some creating writing things to do as a separate list. So I just sorted my list so I don't have to look at 100 things all at once. Got it. Okay, so each project needs its own action list. Yeah. Here's the calls I need to make, here's the errands I need to run. I don't need to look at my errands list except when I go out for errands. I like that idea. I like an errands list. I think I'm going to adopt that. <laughs> All right. Well, David, do you think that we can do a quick lightning round before we wrap up today? Sure. All right. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Number one, what is your favorite time of the day to be productive? Late morning. Okay. What do you do to relax? I walk the dogs, have a cup of tea or a glass of wine, depends on the time of the day, get a massage, chat with my wife, cook with my wife, enjoy dinner, food and drink, walk around the park. I love that. What's your favorite snack to keep you focused? I don't really snack when I'm trying to focus. You know, a good cup of tea is nice Okay. in that way, but I don't really snack like that. Okay. I didn't know if you needed like a lion's mane or someone under these focus and <laughs> clarity <laughs> types of magic drugs, but we're all using not those types of drugs, legal ones. Okay. Other than your books, which books should we be reading? I read about a book a month these days. I just finished Humankind by Rutger Bregman. So we like to leave our listeners with a little project or assignment every week because the show is called Teach Me Something New. So what productivity hack, tip, or trick should we all try this week? I can't pull it to one. I would say three. I'm going to give you three. Okay. We'll let you cheat. It's fine. Thanks. One is empty your head as best you can. Get pen and paper and just literally write down little things, big things, the small things, personal things, business things. I need cat food. I need a vice president. Should we get divorced? Should we adopt? Get all that out of your head, right? And then take the next 30 minutes or so and go through each one of those and say, well, what's the next thing I would need to do on that? What's my next action I ought to take to find out if we should adopt or not? And then write all those down somewhere. And then on some regular basis, at least by the end of the week, have some sort of reflection process where you step back and take a look at the contents of your commitments and all that stuff. Love it. Well, David, thank you so much. I feel like I'm now headed into my sabbatical with my task before I go out with my before and after sabbatical list. And I will report back for all of you listening on how that goes. I hope you'll try it too. And let me know how your productivity enhances after this. David, where can we find you and all of your books and more about you, all of the things? Where do we go? Just go to gettingthingsdone.com. And wherever you are in the world, you know, we've now certified trainers and coaches that work with this material in much more depth if people are interested in that. So 
just click on training and coaching on my website and then whatever your country you're in, because we're represented in 90 countries now by wow. people we've certified that do this work. And, you know, my books are all on there. You can check David Allen books anywhere you buy books. Support your local bookstore, though. And by the way, if you're interested, if you go to gettingthingsdone.com slash YouTube, you'll see tons of stuff. I've got three TED Talks. I've done all kinds of two-minute videos and all kinds of things. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm already feeling slightly more clear in my head, <laughs> a little more productive. <laughs> I hope day. everyone else is too. And that is the show for today. If you guys enjoyed this, leave us a virtual high five by rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media. I'm at Brit or follow us at Brit and Co. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Allie Ives and Allie Perry with additional production and sound design by Mark Lemmerjazy and Aaron Peterson. 